0: We know that unemployment is at or near record lows in many parts of the world, but what about in the resilience industry? What are the trends regarding salaries, remote work, and relocation? Well, stay tuned, and this week's guest will fill us in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 94 of the Resilient Journey podcast, presented by the Resilience Think Tank. I'm your host Mark Hoffman and this week I'm joined by iconic resilience industry recruiter Cheyenne Marling in this week's episode Cheyenne talks about the reasons behind the unprecedented demand for resilience professionals she talks about the value of understanding supply chain and cyber resilience and gives great advice for improving your public image and what is Cheyenne's walk-up music it's a great song the Resilient Journey Podcast is a Resilience Think Tank production. Cheyenne, welcome back to the podcast. We had you on quite a while ago. Um, we're now approaching our 100th episode. You're uh, in the mid-90s here somewhere, so I'm glad to have you. And uh, we were talking about how it's it's time to talk about the job market, time to get an update. But before we get to it, give us an update, what you've been working on, what you've been up to recently, and and what's going on with you.
1: Absolutely. Well, for those who don't know, I actually joined Wood O'Brien's in November of 2022, so I'm a part of their consulting group, and I'm still working in the same capacity that I have over the last 25 years. I can't believe it's been 25 years in the industry. Um, So within the consulting corporate resilience consulting team, I'm still helping our clients with staffing, um, direct hire contract, contract to hire on a global basis, as well as the data research. So we've been collecting data for now, gosh, 21 years.
0: Yeah, and you you produce um, the Global BCM Compensation Report. We want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, before we get to the report itself, though, just kind of give us an update. What are you seeing uh, in the job market in the resilience industry right now? What are some, some trends you're seeing?
1: You know, the market's still very, very strong for business continuity professionals. And it's really being prompted by... All the gaps that were discovered during COVID, the supply chain resiliency issues, this movement to a holistic resilience management capability across the entire organization. So that has really prompted a very strong demand, a demand that I have never seen in this market for over 20 years within our profession. So it's fantastic. And even though there's been some financial concerns and some market um, you know, concerns regarding some of the bank closures and what have you, it's really not touching our space. I mean, there have been some people that have been downsized, but what I'm finding is those downsizings tend to have been occurring within technology industries or um, some of the smaller banks or some of the, um, quite frankly, some of the companies that were just really poorly financially managed. Um, so overall, the market's still very, very strong. I track the job postings on a daily basis, and I I can't even keep up with it. I mean, it's... it's oh. Amazing, yeah.
0: Are employers looking for senior people, mid-level people, uh, entry-level positions? What what type of uh, seniority are they looking for?
1: It's really more mid-tier, um, to be honest with you. I mean, but if you think about it, it's like the, the bell curve, right? You have so many at the entry level. Most of the um the majority are mid mid-tier hires or mid-tier personnel. And then you get to the other side of the bell curve and it's the, the high-level personnel. Now, right after COVID hit, we saw a huge spike of hiring very senior leadership roles to help create a program, revamp a program. Mm-hmm. But ever since then it's gone back to the industry standard where you have the, the majority of the roles are going to be more at that mid-tier level, and then you have Again the entry level and the the senior heads of programs that are not a little bit of the lower of the bell curve
0: what about specifics as far as talent or skill sets you talked about business continuity how wide of a of a range is that like is that risk too or is that in a separate category? What about crisis management what about some of the nuanced things that you might see you know in our industry?
1: yeah, great question. Um, When I track jobs, I only focus on the jobs that are business continuity, kind of IT service continuity, DR, and crisis management, because that's really my bread and butter. So when I'm tracking jobs, those are the ones that I'm reaching out to, letting them know that we're here to help if they need assistance. But there is, I've definitely noticed a spike in um, kind of supply chain, third-party risk management roles as well. Um, So that's been definitely prompted by the supply chain issues that we've seen post-COVID, Um, And then also there's been quite a few hires going into that cyber resiliency as well. Again, I don't actively reach out or track those jobs, but I can tell you it's certainly within our wheelhouse, but I have seen a spike in those types of positions too, which makes sense because one thing I failed to mention on on what's kind of prompting this demand for our profession is not just the COVID and the resilience management um, holistic approach, and supply chain issues, but also so many companies need to update their archaic systems and applications. Mm -hmm. And with that comes in play, that cyber resiliency and trying to keep up with the ever-changing nuances within making sure that your organization is secure. So all of those factors have really been prompting it. So because of that, we have seen a spike in not only the supply chain and third-party risk management roles, but also that cyber resiliency as well. And not just the technology piece, but also the business, because those business individuals, when you look at business continual, the resilience management, holistic planning, they still have to map the program, the cyber resiliency with the technology. So it's it's still prompting the the hiring, not just on the technology side, but also on the business side from a cyber perspective as well. And then when updating our systems and, and applications.
0: Well, and what you've just described in that answer is how interconnected all of these things are.
1: Exactly. You,
0: you can't just say, well, we're gonna we're gonna be fine because our systems are resilient. Okay, <laughs> that's great. That's important. But that by itself, it's not gonna not gonna go very far. It's only gonna get you so far.
1: So true. Yes.
0: Someone was just asking me, I was on site with a client this week and they said, What are you seeing post COVID when it comes to business continuity? And I described it the way you just described it but I hadn't thought of it that much recently. And and you live it day in and day out. So it's great to, to hear your perspective on that. The other thing, and tell me if you're seeing this, that I think is happening is that business-to-business customers are requiring their suppliers to be more resilient and to be more deliberate in that resilience. Are you seeing that as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I hear it all the time from my um for my clients and candidates, but also the data research shows that as well. So not just the compensation study that we also published, but um, we've also recently published our 10th edition event impact management report. Mm -hmm. So that comes into play with all the different pieces of your program, including that supply chain and, and the third party kind of vendor management aspect as well.
0: What about the consulting market? What are you seeing there?
1: I think it's still very strong, I think, but it's tricky with with the consulting because you still have to be actively prospecting business Mm -hmm. while you're delivering. So you could be really good at delivering and building fantastic programs, but as an independent consultant, if you're not actively prospecting at the same time, you're not going to be constantly engaged.
0: I hadn't planned on going down this road, but since you said Mm -hmm. that, let's talk about that a little bit because uh, Lisa Jones and I have been working on presentations and One of the things we talk about in this presentation is branding and how important that is.
1: Absolutely.
0: And so it's one thing, like you said, to be very good at delivery, but that industry profile, whether you're an employee or a consultant is super important. You want to talk a little bit about the importance of hosting and staying active on social media, things like LinkedIn and and building that profile, maybe give some tips in that area.
1: Absolutely. So it's not just Pushing out your message, but also be engaged with others, comment on other people's posts. Think about who your audience is and what you want your brand to be. So if you want to be a thought leader within the industry, network and be engaged with those other thought leaders and post thought-provoking kind of questions and get people the dialogue prompted as well. And then think of your value add. You know, what is something that you do that makes you different from everyone else something that's going to be, that catches people's attention. So I think a lot of people know that I've been doing the running videos and that honestly kind of came out of nowhere, but it's something that I've been doing. And, and again, bringing out a message that is going, that other people will, it's not a sales pitch, right? So actually posting something that's of value to others within the profession and prompting that dialogue. And then making sure that you're true, bottom line, you're true to yourself as well. You know, you can't fake it. So you can't, I mean, even though I don't do the running videos, it's not going to be something that everyone else can do, right? Because it's not natural to them. But for me, it's natural. So you have to be genuine to yourself. What is your value add? Who is your audience? When you post a message, make sure it's a value or it prompts discussion. And also always, always be positive because there's some posts out there that you just, I cringe and go, Oh my gosh, why did, you know, you don't want to ever ever, ever to be negative. Even if you don't think you're being negative, you have to be very careful about how you're putting out the message because you don't want to be viewed as the person who's always negative online or, or always trying to um, be combative. So thinking about the whole kind of package And it also comes down to your soft skills as well. So you could have some great competencies, some great credentials, you can be certified, but your soft skills and your brand completes the whole package.
0: I wanted to shift back, I guess, maybe to the employment side for just a second Mm -hmm. and talk about uh, people who are preparing uh, maybe for uh, a new job or or something along those lines. Uh, Maybe they find themselves out of work um, Sorry, let me stop. I want to go back because I skipped something I wanted to do. So I'll yeah, edit all sure. that out I'll, again. I'll make it act like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> One last thing on social media, um, when someone finds themselves, you know, suddenly out of a job and looking for work, uh, what's your opinion of people posting something that, like that on LinkedIn and maybe putting that open for work logo uh, on their profile? What's your view on that?
1: I think it's a great thing to do, honestly, because if you and I've had several discussions of candidates out there who are aggressively looking because unfortunately they were downsized or due to reorg, reorg, what have you. Um, If you don't put that little green kind of swish, if being a recruiter, I may not reach out to you because I'm not sure if you're going to respond. So a lot of recruiters only have so many messages they can use per month sometimes if they're not connected with you. So if they don't see the green swish, they're going to be less likely they're going to target and be more apt to contact and reach out to someone that is actively looking versus someone that may not respond at all. Um, and I think also getting back to the post in letting people know that you're actively looking, that's a great way. Um, in fact, I've seen a few people do it just phenomenally, right? I don't wanna name any names, but I can think of one in particular who just, he he made it uplifting, he made it positive. He just wanted to let his network know that this is just a, a change, but he's he's looking for the next opportunity. And it's a great way to get the message out there, have people reshare it. Um, I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I definitely take advantage of the networking opportunities out there.
0: And that's what it's there for. And you're right. Uh, talk about the next chapter. And, and again, going back to what you said a minute ago, be positive uh, in your posts. So let's talk a little bit about interview and interview prep in the culture that we're in right now. Are most interviews done online or are people still doing in-person interviews? What's that looking like right now?
1: They absolutely do the first online. I mean, if they, then they'll probably would need to fly him in because now that we're, you know, people can travel and everything, they're going to have that in-person final interview, but there could be two, one to two of these kind of video calls, right? And you can get a lot more than phone. And I love this. I think this is one of the positive things that came out of COVID is having that ability to, to see, and and even though you're not face-to-face, at least you're, you know, having that opportunity to have that video connection and see them and and see how they interact and see how they respond and see their persona. Um, There's a lot you can get from that versus a phone. A phone is so, so hard to read someone. So I think that's, I think it's fantastic, but still my companies, my clients are still doing the in-person after, you know, one or two videos.
0: Are you finding that most of the jobs are either mostly in the office or hybrid or mostly remote?
1: mostly hybrid, mostly hybrid. but what's interesting is our last compensation report, 30 percent of the respondents were 100 percent remote 30 percent and I thought that was amazing. but what I'm finding is a lot of companies are trying to get people to come in at least hybrid now. so it'll be interesting to see how that changes in the next year for 2024 but only nine percent were a hundred percent on site. Most of my clients want hybrid two to three days in the office. And when they say hybrid, that doesn't mean that you're located in a different state. That means that you're, you know, within driving distance of the office and you're coming in two to three days a week. So some people misinterpret that thinking, you know, hybrid two to three days. I can just fly in and and work. No, unfortunately, you can't. And uh, the other thing that people have to keep in mind. um, So a lot of the remote positions are starting to go away. They're still out there. I don't see as many of them. Um, But what's interesting and what a lot of people don't realize Is that even though it says remote, it doesn't mean that you necessarily can be based in, let's say, Montana and be a remote candidate. And I say that because if the company is not um, set up as an employer within that state, they can't payroll you because they have to pay state taxes and what have you. And if they're not set up to be in that state as an employer even though it's 100% remote they can't they can't hire you for the role. So that's the one the like, one thing that most people do not realize. And um and it's funny because before covid I had a client that did have remote candidates but there were certain states that they were not set up to payroll individuals.
0: You know I never would have thought about that.
1: Yes. And will we'll change in the future it would be very interesting because now companies are trying to get people back into the office, right? So that data point of 30% being 100% remote will be it'll be interesting to see how that changes in the future
0: and what kind of pushback that the workforce gives are you finding a difference based on certain demographics about people who are maybe more willing to be in the office versus people who would rather just stay at home
1: you know that's an interesting question i haven't gathered any data points on that and i even talking to people, I wouldn't, I, I really don't feel that there's a particular, you know, age or, you know, demographic factor that would, that would portray that.
0: There for a while, it was really, there was this anti-work movement where people were really pushing back and demanding more uh, of their uh, employers. There was the great resignation that led to then a little bit later, quiet quitting. Uh, mm-hmm. Do we have any other trending, you know, things in in, in that area?
1: Um, not necessarily. I think if anything, people just, they, they're, they're not wanting to go back into the office full time. So, or even hybrid for that matter. So I do have a lot of candidates when so I reach out to them and they're working hundred percent remote and they're obviously not going to yeah. leave for a job. So for me, when I think about trends, for me, it's harder to recruit because I can find great candidates, but if they're working hundred percent remote, why would they leave a job and go to a job that's hybrid? Even if it's just a little bit more money, they love being hundred percent you know, remote, right? And then I can't get people to relocate at all because if they're working, again, remote, they're not going to relocate. So it's made it more challenging for me to fill positions, even if they're hybrid on site, because you still have to look at the local market. And then you look at the certain percentage that if they're 100% remote, they're not leaving the job.
0: Everything that you've said so far, particularly about the current state of employment, the fact that whether it's regulators or customers or businesses, are paying much more attention to resilience feels like a nice long-term trend. The only negative potential long-term trend is, yeah, don't get too settled into working from home. They're yeah. probably going to start pulling people back in more.
1: Exactly, exactly. And there's a few people I know that have moved, um, you know, during COVID and took advantage of working from you know remote, and now they're they're just a few that are now being you know, forced to come back into the office and they're desperately looking for a new position that's remote. So there's a few people that are kind of caught in a, you know, in a hard place right now Um, that, um, unfortunately it's, it was good while it lasted. Right. But it's just, I don't think it's going to be the trend moving forward. They do want to have you come in at least two to three days a week. Typically. That's very
0: interesting. So you were telling me that the, uh, global BCM compensation report came out about a month ago. Yes. Pull out a couple of highlights. What jumped out at you from this year's report?
1: Well, definitely huge wage growth. I thought it was going to be higher, to be honest with you. So overall, I'm going to be looking at my other screen here, but wage growth globally was 7%. And for the US, it was 10%. But I can definitely guarantee you, I saw individuals that would receive a promotion and they would receive $20,000 bump in their pay, Oh wow! over the 10%, probably close to 15% you know, 15, maybe 18, 20%. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting. We look at that 10% wage growth for the USA. um, Typical wage growth is right between two to 5% a year on average. So that's what we've been seeing over the last probably 10 years of two to 5% wage growth. So that 10% just for the US is huge. Um, We did see the average base compensation at 154,000. So that's average. Now we had individuals respond to the study from, you know, from entry level all the way up to you know chief risk officer. Um, I think the chief risk officer, he had a base of about 570,000. So we had the the, the the distribution of compensations overall was just over 12,000 to 570,000 US dollars. So we collected the data. We received responses from about, we we're probably about 50, 50 different countries. Mm-hmm. And we, um, for the global report, we converted all the compensations to US dollar for um, consistency purposes. But one thing that people should know is that if they the even though we published the report, the study is still open because you can still participate in the study and get a customized dashboard. So when I say customized dashboard, meaning if you're in the US, you get the dashboard just for the US, just for US respondents within your same job title or years of experience. Some other interesting data findings, 83% of the professionals did have an advanced degree. So we have seen a trend having individuals becoming, you know the academics is definitely higher than what it used to be 20 years ago. 82% of the respondents are certified. 32% of the respondents changed jobs in the last year. So what we noticed with wow. COVID right after COVID, they were not changing jobs because they were being, they, did, they didn't want to leave their company in a bad situation, right? So the changing jobs was very, very low in 2020 and 2021, but then 2022, it started to spike in 2023. So that is also prompting a very challenging employment market because even though with a high demand, candidates aren't looking because they recently made a job change. So you don't want to be a job hopper on your resume. So that's making the pool of candidates much, much smaller.
0: Let me ask you something about that. What is the minimum length of time that someone would need to stay, you know, consistently at a job without getting that reputation of, of being a job hopper?
1: I like to say three to five years, personally, anything less, you know, three, two years. And it's, if it's consistent, it just right. makes you kind of wonder, well, are they really going to stick around, you know, after two years, if it's consistent with their work history?
0: Very interesting. All right. What else jumped out at you from the report?
1: Um, well, also, it was interesting that um, the unemployment rate, so again, the 32% that changed jobs in the last year. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, and I like to do my research because I'm a huge data geek. So if you look at the U.S. unemployment rate, it's a historic low of 3.4% in April. So 3.4% unemployment rate for the entire U.S. Wow. Our, the resiliency profession was right around the 1% to 2% range. Wow. So, yes. So that was... And, and again, when I push out the study, I encourage, I mean, I reach out and ask everyone, if you're out of a job, would have you to take the study, because especially if you're out of a job, you definitely want to take the study to know what you should be paid and looking for a new job, right? So that, I feel very good about that data point of being one to 2% for unemployment for our profession. Those were the most interesting data findings that I found in the study, the wage growth, the low unemployment rate, and then the fact of those in, of, of 30% of the individuals being 100% remote, I thought that was an interesting data point as well.
0: What's the best way for us to get a hold of it so that we can add to this data for you?
1: Absolutely. Uh, you can go to the BC Management website, bcmanagement.com, click on Research and Insights. And then yeah. underneath there, there's, BCM, there's comp, um, BCM Compensation and Career Studies. And you'll find participate in the study. And actually to your point, there is a study link only for independent contractors
0: okay Good they to have know. Di-
1: they have different questions than someone who is permanently employed or unemployed or retired so independent contract consultants they're asked about their hourly rates high and low okay. how often they've been engaged how long they how many months they're engaged in the last year what's their average length of their um of, of a contract and then what were some of the uh, consulting work, what were some of the consulting um, jobs that they were focused on the last year?
0: All right, I have two, maybe a little bit more fun questions to to wrap this up with. The first one is your position on a debate that's kind of active in social media right now, and that is, should job postings, online job postings, include the salary range? What do you? What's your thoughts on that?
1: So I I appreciated it to be honest with you, because that way a candidate knows what the compensation's gonna be, right? So they're not wasting their time, they're not getting to the end. Um I if I were a recruiter within a company, you know, you know that when a candidate applies, they know what the compensation range is. Many states are are required to post the compensation bans now. Not every state. So it makes it really challenging in my shoes to know, well, do i post it do i post the compensation do i not right because it depends on the state laws yep. so i think it's going to continue to gravitate that way um i honestly with me i have a lot of candidates that will come to me and say you know is this job worth it you know my compensation range is so we have to you know it's very much a very transparent conversation right from the beginning so I have the ability to do that because I know the candidates, I have a relationship with them. But if I were a recruiter internally within an organization, you could be getting to the very end and you're playing this kind of chess game of, well, what's the salary? Well, I want to know what you're looking for. And it's it's it can waste a lot of time where with me, I have the ability to be transparent right from the beginning.
0: You said relationship, and that was the word that was jumping out at me. And that's the value of what you bring. Not only do you have relationships with employers, you have relationships with uh, job seekers and people in our industry and and uh, we appreciate that about you all right so here's the the fun fun question if you were to pick a song that was to play whenever you walked into the office or if you're going to go up to do a presentation they're playing your walk-up music you're a baseball fan right
1: yes absolutely
0: you know about walk-up music right they they announce yes. the batter and they, they it goes to the plate what would your walk-up music be?
1: So I am absolutely awful of thinking of song names, actresses, actors, movie names. Like If anyone tries to ask me anything, like I kind of zone out of that information. I feel like I have so many data points in my head that I can't hold on to other stuff. But the one song that does come to mind, because I'm actually thinking of another one, but I don't know the name of that song. And I, I run to it. It's my favorite pickup song that gets me going. Do you want but- to just sing it? <laughs> oh, God, are you kidding me? <laughs> I can run, but I do not have a singing voice at all. Um, so the one song that does come to mind is Walking on Sunshine. Nice. I cannot tell you who sings it, but it's always been like my happy song. And when I was in college, one of my nicknames was Sunshine. So I, I feel like that's always been kind of my my kind of well, my song. Right. So whenever a good thing happened, even in college, I would blast that song up. And even when I was in the dorm and all of us, you know, would go running up and down the halls and dancing in, in my, I don't know if you call the our hallway, whatever it was. But whenever I something good, I blasted that song and everyone knew it was a good day. We'd all come on to dance.
0: So listen, this is why I like this question, because we talk about it being fun, but it also just reemphasized or reinforced what you were talking about when we were talking about social media posts about being positive, about being uplifting. And it's just a reflection of your personality. And uh, I really love that answer. Cheyenne, you are an industry leader. You're a thought leader. So highly respected. Lots of followers. I'm honored that you took a few minutes to drop by the podcast to talk to us and give us this update on the job market. I want people to know you're just a go-to person for job seekers. What's the best way for people to reach you?
1: Uh, Probably LinkedIn is the best way, honestly. It's the best way to find me. So just search for my name. I'm probably the only Shine Marling out there. (laughs) So um, it's spelled with one N, Shine with one N. And uh, yeah, that's probably the best way.
0: All right, great. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you.
0: I want to thank Cheyenne Marling for dropping by and giving us a great update about the resilience industry job market. Lots of good news there. I'm joined next week by Katie Murphy as we talk about everything from supply chain to cyber and the food and agriculture industry. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.